Again, happy Mother's Day if you're just joining us. Welcome. This is Genesis Gathering. I'm Jeff, and we're going to talk for a little bit about the idea of suffering and the experience of suffering that we all go through. How many of you have suffered? The rest of you, you're going to hell because you didn't raise your hand, because you're lying. <laughs> How many of you have suffered, right? How many of you have suffered something? And oftentimes it's a situation where you have no control, right? And so it's very unfair. And um, when that happens to us, the first thing we're thinking is, that's unfair. I want to change it, but I don't have any control. And here's the big one. Why is God allowing this? It's the idea of suffering. Our little series that we're in is called Scandalous Love. And this morning I'm going to call this The Scandal of Suffering and Unfairness. Or The Scandal of Suffering and Fairness. The scripture talks about how Jesus suffered. It says he was despised and rejected by man, a man of sorrows. He was rejected by men, a man of sorrows and acquainted with grief. And as one from whom men hide their faces, he was despised and we esteemed him not. And yet he was perfect. There was nothing in Jesus that God was unhappy with. Nothing in Jesus that could have been ridiculed or, you know, there was no sin. There were men and women that hated him and disliked him, especially for what he taught, because it didn't agree with what they believed. But Jesus was perfect, and yet he suffered. There's another guy that you all know who suffered unfairly, right? And the scripture mentions this gentleman and says about him, in the land of Uz there lived a man whose name was Job. This man was blameless and upright. He feared God and he shunned evil. Now, it's not often that a, a person is assigned the attribute of blameless. We could assign it only maybe to... Uh, to only, not maybe, we could assign that only to one other person, and that would be Jesus as a man, blameless. But here Job is noted as being blameless, and yet, I mean, Job's suffering is universal. We know what happened to Job. There's a third person I want to bring to your attention this morning, Found in John's Gospel, chapter 9, verses 1 through 7. I'm going to read it. Now, as Jesus was passing by, he saw a man who had been blind from birth. His disciples asked him, Rabbi, who committed the sin that caused him to be born blind, this man or his parents? Jesus answered, Neither this man nor his parents sinned, but he was born blind so that the acts of God may be revealed through what happens to him. Verse 4, we must perform the deeds of the one who sent me as long as it is today or as long as it is daytime. Night is coming when no one can work. As long as I am in the world, I am the light of the world. Having said this, he spat on the ground 
he made some mud with his saliva and he smeared it into the man's, the blind man's eyes and he said to him, go wash in this pool. It was called Siloam. So the blind man went away, he washed, and he came back seeing. What a miracle. What an outstanding miracle. Now, let's go back to the beginning, though, because there's an important question that's a universally, it reveals, it uncovers a universally held concept of God and of suffering and of fairness. Jesus, his disciples asked him, who sinned, this man or his parents, that he should be born in this condition? You know, most people, religious or not, presume a direct link between sin and suffering. And Jesus confronts and obliterates this lie through a perfect demonstration of his love and his healing. That's why I call this a scandal of suffering. Now, it starts this way. In this parable that Jesus shares, he begins it with, he saw a man who had been blind from birth. Not a parable, but an actual event. Excuse me. He saw a man who had been blind from birth. Everybody say that. He saw, say it, he saw a man who had been blind from birth. The word man there in the Greek is anthropos, and it means humanity, not a single individual. Jesus wasn't looking at a single individual. He was looking at humanity, and that's the Greek word he used there. He saw a man. He was passing by, and this man that he looked at wasn't just a man, a male, a male individual, a male human being. He saw all of humanity. And interestingly, even his own disciples were steeped in this idea, this connection that Jewish law made at the time especially, and we've carried over certainly into our thinking today, all right, well, if he's blind and he was born that way, there's something that caused that. So it must be this man's sin or his parents who sinned. And Jesus outright confronts that. What's he say? Neither. <laughs> Neither his parents or this man sinned. So it's interesting that Jesus' own disciples seem more concerned with the reason for the blindness than for the sickness and the need for his healing. And I'm reminded of a verse from a man called Paul who in 2 Corinthians, a book in the New Testament, writes this in chapter 5 of that book, verse 19. God was in Christ hugging the world to himself. He no longer keeps track of men's sins and has planted in us his concern for getting together. That is so powerful because when Jesus gives his explanation 
And he says, neither this man nor his parents. He continues in verse 4 and says, we must perform the deed. Not I. He says, we must perform the deeds of the one who sent me as long as it is today. There's a beautiful translation of this in the Mirror Bible, written or translated by Francois Dutrois. And it carries this idea. We must get on the same page regarding this erroneous thinking that sin is connected to suffering. We've got to deal with that, Jesus says. He says it it wasn't either. In that connection, come on guys, get on the same page with me. He says, the acts of God are going to be revealed in this situ- through this situation. God's going to use this. The act of God, notice, is to heal, to love, to be good. Last week I used a parable called the parable of the landowner. You'll remember where a landowner goes out and he hires some workers at 6, at 6 a.m. Then he goes out to the market shopping at 9 a.m. and he sees some guys standing around. He hires them to come work for him. So that's 9 a.m. Then again at noon, again at 3, and last at 5 o'clock, an hour before quit time, he still hires an individual and then at the end pays all of them equally the same wage. And of course the people who had been working all day had a real issue with that as we might, right? Here you're paying a guy who works an hour the same wage as myself, and I've worked for you, you know, eight hours, 12 hours today. How is that fair? How is that fair? The landowner responds in verse 15 of that text, is it against the law for me to do what I want with my money? Should you be jealous because I'm kind to others? I love that. It's like we get upset that God is good. (laughs) Have you ever just gotten upset that God is good? God dispenses gifts, not wages. None of us receive anything according to our merit. Now, let's dive back into the story of Job for a moment. I call it Job's falling forward or falling upward. Let's say it that way. Job's falling upward. Now, that's a dichotomy right there. I mean, that, that's, that doesn't work. If you're falling, you're, which direction are you going when you fall? I mean, down, right? If you're falling, you're going down. Job falls upward. Now, the story of Job is universal. We, we all know it, right? He's a righteous man. There's, he's blameless, the scripture says. Everything's going great. He's very wealthy. He has children, a wife. Everything's going great. And all of a sudden, he's attacked And this horrendous, multifaceted judgment comes. His body is filled with boils, and 
it just it's deteriorating all of a sudden and he's sick and I don't, I don't even know how to describe it I think leprosy might be what it was at least it's a close depiction of what was going on in his body then his friends begin to rail against him and accuse him of having sin in his life his wife leaves him he loses all of his children he starts losing all of the good things that he owns and possesses Job's trials right? we all know the story and then it comes to the conclusion now to explain why Job a righteous man suffered I used to give all of the standard charismatic word of faith explanations for his suffering first of all the devil now that's true because the story itself records that the devil was the one bringing these however God still allowed it and I used to dismiss that I, I wanted to explain it with what I'm about to tell you because it, there just didn't seem to be a good answer for that because the truth is God could have stopped it but he didn't he said you can't take his life but you can do anything else that you want to him that's what God told Satan in the story so I like many charismatic word of faith preachers came up with a hole in Job's faith I call it a hole Job had a hole in his faith have you ever had a hole in your faith do, do you know what that is that means you're going along everything's per working perfect and then you start suffering something and what do you do you start looking for where in your faith or in your walk you're letting God down there must we used to call this is what I was taught at the church where I grew up and even went to Bible college all right a very heavy-handed shepherding movement I've referred to it before very very difficult setting for me to to grow up in and we were actually taught that if if there was suffering if something bad happened to you then you needed to stop and begin to examine where you open the door and where the hedge of protection it was called a hedge of protection based on Old Testament scriptures that God would put a hedge around you right and that used to be taught but that was totally based on performance and obedience and so if there was sin in your life then the hedge was broken somewhere it had a hole in it and Satan was going to be able to get through and attack you so here's the hole in Job's faith chapter 3 verse 25 the thing which I greatly feared has come upon me I used to teach it well the only reason Job began to stumble and experience what he did and lose all that he had and so forth was because he feared and that fear opened the door to Satan <laughs> how convenient how convenient to find a hole to explain my own weaknesses in understanding how good God is because he hasn't changed God changes not 
I ignored the fact that Job was a righteous man, and yet he suffered evil. How's that? How is it that good people suffer bad things? And how is it that bad people suffer or don't suffer? Oftentimes, they don't suffer like I'm suffering, right? And they experience lots of great things. They have plenty. They have a nice house. They have a, a pretty dog. They have wonderful cars, you know, and everything is going right, you know. And they're evil. How does that work? <laughs> now, then, a verse in Job I had never seen, I had never preached, Nobody ever told me about it. And I read about it in the works of Richard Rohr. And it's a very simple verse towards the very end of the book. Everything's getting wrapped up. God has been at Job's side and encouraged him and has told his friends that they were wrong. <laughs> and <coughs> there's this verse there in, in Job. Uh, Chapter 42, and um, I, I failed to write the exact reference down. Um, if somebody's able, you'll be able to look it up by the words here. Here's what it says in the complete Jewish Bible. I had heard about you. It is verse 42, or chapter 42, I know that. I had heard about you with my eyes, or my ears, excuse me, but now I see you with my eyes. The Septuagint, which is the Bible Jesus would have used, right? The translation, the closest thing, a Greek translation of the Hebrew text says this. I have heard the report of thee by the ear before now, but now my own eyes have seen you. Dear ones, the primary reason that we experience suffering is because of the light at the other end. Suffering has a way of moving us from just hearing about God and believing things other people have said to exper experientially seeing God for ourselves, knowing Him, seeing Him with our own eyes, and the Gospel of John is all about light and darkness, the whole book. And so here Jesus is bringing us this story of the blind man who he saw. And the disciples are making a connection, just like we often do, between sin and suffering. Jesus says, no, put that out of your minds. Let's get on the same page. That is not God's love. That is not what God acts like. And then, of course, heals the man. Job is the beautiful picture of getting to the end of your suffering and you've got new glasses and finally you can see. You can see with your eyes that God is good and that what you may have heard and been believing all along is wrong. You know, the book of Hebrews speaks of Jesus enduring the cross for the joy that was set before him. You ever heard that verse, how that Jesus endured the cross, he suffered the cross for the joy that was set before him? And I started thinking, you know, how is it that joy, uh, Jesus was happy 
just because at the end he knew he was going to be able to come off the cross and stop suffering. And that wasn't it at all. The joy of the whole Trinity, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, you can't separate them. God wasn't in heaven and Jesus was on the cross. Don't do that with the Trinity. They're not separate. They were all there together, suffering. The joy being spoken of in Hebrews chapter 12, verse 2, about the joy that Jesus experienced, the suffering that he experienced, and then the joy that was set before him, is the joy that the Trinity had in completing the plan that they had all along to redeem and to reconcile all of humankind. And here is this man born blind, not a single individual, the whole world. Humankind born blind, we're accused of being guilty of sin. The reason you're suffering is because some hole in your faith. And Jesus says, no, it's not that. It's not a result of that. It's so that God can receive glory. I want to change the way you see. Suffering will change the way you see. If you respond to suffering with doubt and fear and blame, it will bring you into ruin. But if you respond with your eyes turned towards Jesus and you keep the attitude and the belief that God is good, you'll come to the end of your suffering knowing, knowing that God is good and that what you've been through, what you're going through right now, God is involved, he's got you in his arms, and it's going to change. The primary focus of our enemy when we're experiencing suffering is to get our eyes off of Jesus, to turn our eyes off of Jesus and to cause us to question God's goodness. Light will be the outcome of any suffering that you're presently on a journey going through. Light will come. I'm going to end this morning with a simple quote from John Crowder. And it goes like this. The gospel is not a transaction. It's a pure gift. It requires neither faith nor even your love for God. Rather, the gospel provides faith and it produces divine love within you. End quote. How many of you feel like you've been born blind? <laughs> How many of you know we do suffer? And I think it's best not to try to explain it away and not to blame God and not to look for holes in our faith. I wonder if it's all about seeing more clearly, being even more aware of how good God is. I certainly understand that there's suffering where it's unimaginable. There, there can be no good in that level of evil. And yet, God is God. Okay, I'm going to drive a couple of questions this morning in the interest of what did you hear? So we have a microphone ready, and again, out there in the live stream audience, chat with us. You can type it on your device there and chat. We're monitoring the window, or you can text your answer or your question 
to 720-878-3323. What do you hear? What are you hearing? Let, let me hear from you. What's on your mind? Yes. I heard there's a light at the end of the tunnel. Ah, <laughs> <laughs> uh, there's light. Who else? Go ahead, James. Well, you know, the Lord, he, he didn't promise that we wouldn't go through any hard times, you know? But, you know, there's always, he's always there to pick us up, you know? Just like uh, our own moms picked us up when we were little, you know? The Lord's there to pick us up and take care of us too, you know? And... Uh, <clears throat> you know, all the things that I've ever gone through, um, it's easy to blame the Lord, but I'm not going to blame the Lord, you know, because I know that he's for me, not against me, for one thing, and that, uh, um, that you know, that he's he's there in the midst of our, our troubles, you know, and <clears throat> we just got to know that he loves us, you know, and that uh that even through our hard times and our and our letdowns that that he's there to pick us up and to to uh show us his love you know and and that uh it's it's okay for if we fall down because he's always going to be there great thoughts brother here's what ralph says ralph is in switzerland he's a regular he's a member of our church and a regular uh, a tender and contributor here he chats he says Romans chapter 5 and verse 3 not only so but we also glory in our sufferings because we know that suffering produces perseverance perseverance character and character hope he says children that never suffer will turn out to be fragile adults offended at all things just look around God wants us to become mature sons and daughters Okay, um, I have a couple actually. <clears throat> the first thing is uh, kind of at the end you said, um, do you feel like you've been born blind? I felt like, I feel like not only was I born blind, but I feel like all of the things I was doing for most of my life were keeping me blind. I was focused on myself. I was focused on my sin and why I was not worthy and why I was a wretched person and didn't deserve God. I was focused on that so much that I wasn't seeing the big picture and what God had for me to give love to other people. Um, so not only born blind, but <laughs> perpetuated in blindness by what I thought was um, the gospel or what I thought was God's way. Uh, the other thing um, I shared in a, at, least a, at least one of my sermons, um, going through a really difficult, dark time of my life uh, a few years back, I had always had what I would consider a strong faith, uh, and I always knew God was good, you know, because you hear that all the time. But when I went through that and I had hit rock bottom and there was, like, no reason for me to have hope is when I felt the most um, okay. I knew I was okay. And I know that God carried me through that because I didn't have any strength left of my own. 
um, and you kind of get to that place. And I and I it makes sense what Job says is that I I always knew that you were good, but now I see it, and now I now I have experienced it almost. Um, it's become part of who I am, not just a confession of faith. It's one thing to go to church, to sing in the choir, to do Christian things, to have good Christian behavior, and it's another to really see God and live in an awareness where it transforms everything you do, everything you believe, everywhere you go, how you treat other people. This is really good discussion. There's one thing that's sort of sticking out that I know people are still asking. If God is loving, if God is merciful, why does he allow people to suffer? Have we answered that? We haven't, have we? And you know why? Because it's a mystery. And I've come to grips with the fact that there are mysteries and there are mysteries that don't have answers and that that's okay. I still know God is good. I will not allow the mystery of suffering to change what I believe about God's goodness. Do you remember several weeks ago I played a clip about five, six minutes long from Bethel Church in Redding, California of Bill Johnson? Bill Johnson, the pastor who last year his wife died of cancer. Now if there's a church in the world that's a healing church, I mean people go there to have hands laid on them it's a, it's a place of faith, it's a place of miracles, it's a place where, you know, if there's anywhere on earth you could be in an atmosphere of faith to be healed, it would be there. And Bill Johnson, the leader of the whole thing, his own wife dies of cancer. And I played you that clip, you remember? And he got up two days after her death on a Sunday morning and said, don't I don't understand. I don't understand why my wife has died. When we prayed, we believed. <laughs> All the miracles we've seen as a church. But I know this, God is good. And I will not allow this suffering, this pain, this unknown to change that that I know. And that's where Job was. There wasn't an explanation for all that he suffered. But where he had just been operating on what he had heard, that God was good, now he knew it. He knew it in his knower. <laughs> Can you know something so deeply? You know it with your knower. You know it in a way that it trans... Complete this. I'm going to show you something here on the screen before we go to a time of uh, prayer and prayer requests here. If you do have a prayer request this morning... Uh, go ahead and text it in to us, 720-878-3323, or type it into the chat there. But just before we go to prayer, look at this here. Complete this sentence. Suffering, sickness, or pain are not the result of God's... 
judgment. He doesn't sit in heaven trying to catch you doing something bad so that he can carry out his anger and his wrath and punish. He doesn't do it. Why does it happen? It's a mystery. And there's a a divine tension between the mystery of suffering and our faith, and there always will be. But God is good. Happy Mother's Day, Thank Miss you. Nina Corson, <laughs> my wife. And to all do the you mothers. want to join me up here and I get do. ready to? I just wanted also. You want to comment though? Yes, but, I do so want to comment. Come on up here. Although this is kind of backpedaling to your very positive solution. That's all right. So when you think about the book of Job, you know the book is all focused on Job, um, and it and the book ends with you know he got back double what he suffered, but I have to say so what, because his wife died this woman what about her what about her when she suffered and died what about the children when they suffered and died what about the animals when they suffered and died so there was more to the picture than just job there were all these other people who were suffering and didn't come back didn't come back to enjoy the double fold but we used to teach but we used to teach that was the glory of it that was the glory of it because he got a double fold but so what? Because if I were, if it were you and you were Job, I died. So what about me? <laughs> you yeah. know, kind of a thing. <laughs> and you are suffering. Yes. I mean, while right. you're suffering, it's real. I mean, yeah. you're suffering. Yeah. So again, I'm backpedaling a bit here yeah. to what your, you know, your solution is. And of course, I do definitely believe uh, that we're leaning towards God and His hope. And uh, Ralph said here about ascension. He said. Uh, if I'm reading this correctly, Ralph, blind focuses on the necessity of the cross and all its suffering. Seeing focuses on ascension and all its hope. And then he said, I'm reminded every morning when I ascend from sleep, seeing is focused on ascension and all its hope. So that's not good. That's very good. That's really good. Thank you. Thank you, Ralph. Hey, Ralph, that'll preach. And uh, (laughs) we're going to do something with that. I don't know. Create a slide at least. It'll wind up in our our slide deck, but maybe even a banner. That's just a profound statement. Could we read it again? Oh, we could. Do you have it there? Yeah, I should. Blind focuses on the necessity of the cross and all of its suffering. Seeing focuses on ascension and all of its hope. Wow. <laughs> oh, Job's wife didn't die. I thought he lost his first wife, Ralph, and his kids, and all yeah. of his farm. Did I get no, that wrong? No, she didn't die. I oh. think he got her back or something. I thought he got double, I thought he got a new wife. Oh, he got, I think he got everything back more Oh, well, I, my so mistake now, now then, I, like thought he, I thought she died. <laughs> which, which I'm not no sure. No wonder he was suffering. Yeah. <laughs> 